Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is the founder of Zero Proof Nation and Booze Free in D.C. She's a badass karaoke singer, a roller derby girl, and a sober babe. Please welcome Laura Silverman. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. What an introduction. I wish everyone introduced me like that. <laughs> Well, it is true, and I have seen you on social media sing karaoke, mm-hmm. and you know I'm I you're very brave in my opinion to be up there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and sober. Um, I don't think a lot of people do that. No. But have you ever have you ever <laughs> sang karaoke while roller skating? Um, not yet. That's the next. That's the next <laughs> voyage. <laughs> yeah, roller skating takes quite a lot of concentration actually um it's much harder than it looks and yeah uh, i've been a little out of practice but my league just got the okay to start skating in small pods outside so i've been doing that for the past few weeks and it's it's a lot plus it's also been super hot but yeah yeah like the karaoke roller derby or karaoke on skates party with booze-free beverages is like my dream. <laughs> you just gave me an idea. <laughs> well, I totally. would think karaoke kind of makes some concentration, takes some concentration as, as well, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but then, at least you can actually read the words when you're not. That's true. <laughs> when you're not totally obliterated. <laughs> and it's kind of like chewing gum and walking at the same time. True. Yeah, and you sound better. Even if you don't think that you do, you you do. Right. So. Not as slurry and uh no more on more on pitch yeah (laughs) Yeah. not yelling so much right (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly how did you get into roller derby i mean i've been to uh, a couple bouts here in california and in albuquerque at the duke city Uh, uh, roller derby yeah so i've always been intrigued by it i when i was little i wanted to be an ice skater a figure skater and that didn't end up happening. Uh, but I took some figure skating lessons when I was um, in my 20s. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't I don't even think I had roller skates when I was younger, I didn't have roller blades. But I just have been intrigued by the culture. I saw the movie Whip It. Me too. We're number love, two. We're number yeah, two. I love all the, like, the tattoos <laughs> and like the badassery. And, yeah. um, and it's, and it's roller skating. And so I was like, well, let me just look into it. But to the credit of one of my old colleagues, she's like, I'm going to this roller derby open house. And you're the only person I can think of that would actually fit into one of those leagues and or want to go with me. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she ended up not joining, but I did that night. And that was about six months before the pandemic hit. So I had about like five to six solid months of practice. And so I'm still very new. Mm-hmm. I haven't ever played in a bout before, but I've seen them <laughs> and I've done practice scrimmages. They're fun, but they are intense. <laughs> yeah. It's very hardcore. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great community though. It seems like it. I know that uh, quite a few do like fundraisers and, and gives back to the community and they're not as brutal and bruisers as they come across. 
No, and I mean, we learn how, first of all, we have tons of padding. Um, we learn how to hit properly and take hits safely. And um, it's it's not as violent as people think, but it, it definitely looks like it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, bruises and scrapes and stuff are badges of honor right. when, I'm, yeah. when I'm in practice. But um, <laughs> yeah, everyone's, it's just a really welcoming, welcoming community. And most of the, the folks on my league know that I'm, that I don't drink. And so from time to time, people have come to me if they're spouses or um, significant others or they themselves like want advice and or want um, to hear about options. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to just kind of like have my, my story be on blast, so to speak, so that people know that if they feel like they need help and or want different like social options, they can always come to me. Great. I feel like that's that's an honor for me. Yeah. And that's a good segue into my next question. Um, <laughs> I'd, love to, <laughs> I'd love to know more about the uh, Zero Proof Nation and the Booze Free DC. I don't know if they're projects, but they seem um, like a love of for you and uh what inspired you to to create them well they are definitely labors of love uh projects whatever you want to call them um you know one day maybe revenue generators as well but for now they are you know they are my babies and why you know why do I do this? Well, I, I can't get into it without telling you a little bit about my story and why it's important for me to um, be in the non-alcoholic space. And, um, you know, I, I believe that addiction is a disease. Uh, it's scientifically backed, but I don't believe that everyone that has a drinking problem is addicted physiologically i certainly had a psychological dependence on alcohol and when i was drinking i didn't really know how to turn it off i didn't have an off switch um but i wasn't a daily drinker i didn't need it to actually function i just was very psychologically dependent on it and um for for a variety of reasons had my own mental health issues that had been undiagnosed anxiety, panic, OCD, and um, drinking just kind of temporarily made those things go away. Obviously, it was just, you know, an illusion. Um, And I was, excuse me, I was bullied pretty, pretty badly for many years in elementary school and middle school. And I, I carried those scars with me. And in college, I just wanted to reinvent myself like so many other people. And I fell into a culture of binge drinking, which is very easy to do on a college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, back then, which isn't that long ago, I graduated 16 years ago. Um, but back then, there didn't really seem to be any other way to party, to socialize, to have fun. It was like you drank or you didn't. And if you didn't, you were kind of not cool. Right. And I cared about those kinds of things back then. Um, so my drinking escalated pretty quickly. And after I graduated on time, you know, with honors, no less, um, my friends were starting to, you know, we were all getting into our first jobs out of college and they were sort of toning 
back their habits a little bit. You know, we still went out and got crazy, but I was starting to drink more by myself. I was hiding the amount that I was drinking. I was doing all the things that um, would classify me as having a problem with alcohol. And I started um, to just get into really terrible situations. And, um, by the last year and a half of my drinking, it was only six years, but by the last year and a half, I had been hospitalized twice for alcohol poisoning. And, um, fortunately, like just fortunately I was okay both times, but that second time I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm hurting myself, obviously, but I'm hurting my family. And it was at that time, like it was, it was literally the morning that I came to in a hospital bed in New York city that I made a decision. I didn't actually know if it was going to stick, if it was going to be forever or, you know, beyond a few months, but I made, I was like, I, I'm never drinking again. I'd said that so many times, I swear, like it just lost meaning, but this time I, just kind of felt it something had clicked and I was like if I keep going this way I'm gonna die and I don't want to (laughs) obviously no no one really wants to but I was like I I'm so young I I had just turned 24 and um and I knew that I I mean I could I could keep going it's a it's a progressive disease or progressive habit whatever you want to call it but I knew that if I did keep going it would get worse and I felt like I had an opportunity to look at my habits and patterns. And so I came back to DC and this, I, I tell the story a lot to, to friends, to family, to other podcasters, but um, I don't think anyone in, in your audience has heard it. So um, the nutshell version is that I had been separated from the group that I was with. I was at a concert at Madison Square Garden and I had a purse with my bus ticket. This was like pre-smartphones. So there were no QR codes or scanny Mm -hmm. things. You had a paper bus ticket. You had your bricks flip cell phone. Um, (laughs) I even had an inhaler that was prescribed to me because I had um, quote unquote exercised induced asthma, which was really undiagnosed panic disorder Mm. with my breathing changing and all of that. So I had a bunch of things in my purse and I, you know, came to in this hospital bed, didn't have my purse and now my shoes and some, some miraculous, I'm just like kind of brought to, well, you might edit out the pause and you might not but I'm just like I don't even know how to wrap my head around it I'm just like I feel it viscerally because um someone found my belongings either an employee or someone turned it into a security guard and uh they started a phone tree with my family they just looked in like the recent call list they called my mom they called my cousin in New York who I was supposed to stay with no one had heard from me and no one would hear from me for about like eight hours Oh, and they just been really hard obviously like yeah. when I, when I was told that, um, that's when I like, I just completely crumpled inwardly and outwardly. Um, I knew that I was hurting everyone around me and, um, you know, I was reunited with my purse, which had my bus ticket and, um, and all of my things, nothing was stolen somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, I went back to DC and, said, you know what, this was kind of some sort of miracle or divine coincidence, whatever you want to call it. But I called the number on the back of my health insurance card and met with a substance use counselor. 
and like I said, didn't think it was going to be forever, but that was, uh, that was 14 years ago and I haven't had a sip of alcohol since by choice. So, so I have to sort of preface all of like, why zero proof nation? Why booze free in DC? Why am I so excited about the non-alcoholic movement? Um, I'm excited about it for a variety of reasons, which we'll probably touch on later, you know, like the trendiness of wellness, like Mm -hmm. the sobriety spectrum, which can include, you know, people who are pregnant, people who are um, abstaining because they're training for a race, someone who's a designated driver or someone who is, you know, straight edge in recovery, whatever you want to call it. Um, but for me, I, you know, I cannot drink alcohol safely. So I have to choose. I'm all or nothing, very right. sort of black and white with this. And um, and so I, I cannot drink safely. So I drink non-alcoholic beverages safely. (laughs) And I'm so excited that the industry has just exploded and there's no, like, it's no coincidence that there have been so many brands that just came onto the market in the past year and a half, because um, people are seeing um, with the pandemic, I mean, there's a direct correlation mm-hmm. between the pandemic and exacerbated mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And people were either going deeper into drinking or they were like, Hey, this might be an opportunity for me to try something new. Right. And, um, Weirdly slash ironically, I started both Zero Proof Nation and Booze Free in DC just a few months before the pandemic hit, like both at the same time. And then obviously that changed everything. But I, I kind of want to take That was good it timing. It seemed like it was good timing and that you're still, like like I was saying before we started, that there was a, a Booze Free bar in Oakland that didn't make it through the pandemic. And that yeah. was mainly because it was brick and mortar and, you know, obviously there was a lockdown and that sort of thing. Yeah, so, that's, um, it's been hard on the whole hospitality industry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I've been sober since last November. Okay. But I was sober eight months before that. But my first go around, I guess, was eight months. And it always yeah. seems to be like around the holiday that I start like yeah. deciding not to drink for whatever reason. But then I was like, mm, I mean, I only drank beer because mm-hmm. I'm a lightweight. I can't handle the hard stuff. And I'd only have like one or two, but it was, but it still affected me because yeah. I'm such a lightweight. And as I've gotten older with the whole menopause and the hormonal thing, I mean, that definitely has contributed to how I feel when I drink beer. So there was a couple months in there that I started drinking again because I missed the taste of beer. So I had Mm -hmm. to figure that out. I had to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, why do I miss the taste of, miss that taste of beer? Because I usually drink like IPAs and hazies Mm -hmm. and, you know, something that has like full bodied flavor. And around here, there's a ton of micro brews and, you know, craft beer breweries and stuff and I always love to try out the new breweries to see you know the different flavors Mm -hmm. Um, support local too yeah exactly but it just got to the point where I had a couple of terrible instances where it was like okay I'm lucky that no one got hurt or that I got hurt that I got home safe and my body was just not liking it either yeah. I wasn't feeling good. And so then I was just like, okay, I need to stop. And that's when I found Athletic Brewing. 
love them and yeah so, and so since then i mean i shop at whole foods so since then they've actually increased their variety of non-alcoholic which is great so like two roots i think it's two roots um i've heard of that i haven't found had that yet. Yeah. at bevmo um i've tried surreal brooklyn okay so there's quite a few that i've tried so that's i mean that's really awesome that that you've kind of you know made that shift for yourself and and yeah our bodies can't handle it the same way anymore and it's weird alcohol is like the only drug that uh you're stigmatized against if you don't consume it mm -hmm. i mean all like all the other drugs like well not all the other but like the harder drugs um there's more of a stigma if you use it but with mm -hmm. alcohol there's more of a stigma if you don't use it you don't imbibe and right. and so you know, with my own personal history, my own personal story, and the fact that I could see that there was something kind of just emerging, um, correlated a lot with with the Dry January um, campaigns, with what Ruby Warrington, the author of Sober Curious, had been doing. There was there was definitely like this wellspring of people who were into wellness or. Um, zero proof beverages or um, just wanting to live a better life for themselves. And my friend, Tawny, uh, Tawny Lara, she coined this term called like a sobriety tourist or like sober tourist, which is sort of like that person who's trying on sobriety to see if it fits. And mm -hmm. it's related to sober curiosity and all of that. And if it does great. And if it doesn't, you know, that's, that's someone's personal choice. That's really interesting. I didn't have the luxury of being someone who was, you know, taking more of a scientific approach about my drinking, like, Ooh, let's, let's approach this with some curiosity or, right, you know, try yeah. things on for size. I was yeah. just like, <laughs> I was a shit show and a train wreck. And, um, and so I didn't have that luxury, but I was like, well, other people do. And let's, let's just see like what we can do with the movement you know i see this all the time now and i'm really excited about it but back in late 2019 there weren't a lot of um social media or or websites that were sort of telling the stories of non-alcoholic beverage founders and why why they started their why they started their brands why was it important to have non-alcoholic beverage options for people and also sort of featuring other people in the space that were maybe bar owners, like uh, sober bar owners, like um, Chris of Sands Bar mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people like Ruby Warrington and just kind of highlighting that there are people that are doing really crucial and amazing things in this space and their, their stories need to be heard. And they also probably have beverage recommendations. So it was all about like sharing stories, sharing um, the whys for people, but also like talking more about zero proof beverages and options, because at the end of the day, I didn't have anything when I was getting sober. I had, you know, diet Coke and club soda and lime. Right. And it was really, really yeah. isolating going to weddings and bachelorette parties and dates and all of that. Like there were just weren't anything, wasn't anything fun to drink. And it was, I, fe I felt excluded a lot. Um, and so I think with anything, the zero proof movement is, is all about inclusivity and it's about making sure that everyone has something that they can partake in. And even though I'm totally sober, 
it's also about not it's about not judging as well it's mm -hmm. like i'm i can't be a prohibitionist um i obviously would love for more people to come to the other side and you know drink the beverages that i'm drinking because it ultimately is more sustainable and, and helps you know people's mental health and people's physical health but you know even people who drink you know quote unquote safely and they might want an option for a night that doesn't involve alcohol but is still a delicious beverage mm -hmm. and so i think the the non-alcoholic beverage movement is really something that can be for everybody and that's just, it's an exciting place to be and I still have a lot of passion for it which is which is really cool because sometimes I get bored with projects that I have started and as a creative I'm, I always have to have something new going on but yeah. I've just I can't I'm always I can't to relate to that way. at all <laughs> I take it you have other <laughs> projects up your sleeves yeah yeah there's so. yeah I totally understand that whole you know, sometimes I force myself to finish one project before I start another because they're, it's like, I don't otherwise finish it otherwise. Otherwise, it's like, oh, squirrel, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, <exactly. laughs> oh, plus I have ADD. Um, yeah. So it's just like, ah, I need horse blinders. <laughs> I just need to focus <laughs> on what's in front of me. After you first stopped drinking alcohol, how was that for you? Can I swear? Yeah, absolutely. This Go podcast. for it. It was fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet it was. Um, well, first of all, like I said, I had just turned 24. So I was in my mid-20s, but just on the beginning side of that. Dating was, I mean, dating was just hard, period. But like dating was difficult. Going to parties, going, and that, I was in my mid to late 20s. That was when all of my friends were starting to get married and have their engagement parties and the, the baby showers and everything even with even though the you know like the mothers to be at the baby showers couldn't drink there was still alcohol for other people it's like it's such an alcohol soaked culture and so just socializing period was very very difficult and of course like in the beginning i still had all of these feelings and things that still affect me to this day um but they were much more viscerally like bubbling to the top um and I couldn't I couldn't numb out I didn't realize I was self-medicating until after the fact mm -hmm. um but I started you know getting help for those things I you know saw a psychiatrist I started seeing a counselor regularly um in the beginning of my sobriety I did go to 12-step meetings which were helpful for a short period of time they gave me some stability and um I met other people who were going through something similar, which was extremely important because that highlighted that community is the bedrock of, mm -hmm. of healing, whatever it is that you need healing from, like finding others that have something similar as a shared experience um, is so important. But I, I quickly found that it wasn't for me. And then I felt isolated and alienated again, like, mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, I had finally found people that understood what I was going through. And now I just don't feel like I belong there anymore. And is there anything else that's out there? So I wanted to create spaces for people who might feel that the traditional modes of recovery or sobriety didn't, didn't fit for them. And so my first foray into telling my story more publicly and, um, 
attempting to create some sort of community was in 2015. And I started a blog called the Sobriety Collective, which was really just taking a look at like alt recovery, alt sobriety, and again, sharing stories of people who recovered in a variety of ways. And then it started to take shape that it was not just like people who were in recovery, but people who just didn't drink. And then, yeah. and then that kind of, as I was sort of winding down on, on that, um, on that project, not knowing that I was winding down on it, but I was winding down and it's at that exact time that like the non-alcoholic beverage movement just started to like really rise up and, and I could feel like a shift, um, externally with what was going on in the world, but also like internally, like, Ooh, this is something that's lighting me up more. Yeah. And, you know, I still, I still have ties to like the sobriety and recovery communities, but and I still am in recovery, of course. Sure. Um, and I have to be like vigilant about where my mental health is and um, just kind of, you know, keep keep track of the fact that like my sobriety is still important to me, but my focus has, has been less on like talking about that all the time. And instead, like, what's the lifestyle like? Like, how can you have fun when you're not drinking alcohol? There are all these amazing, beverages now there are all these amazing things you can do that probably existed before but many people didn't realize like you can do you can dance have dance parties you can go roller skating you can do karaoke you can train for a marathon you can have a book club that doesn't revolve around alcohol shocker right um, yeah alcohol just, like, is very so social and very like if you're not drunk you can't have fun sort right. of mentality well it's just it's it breaks down social inhibitions, but it's, mm -hmm. it's very sort of false in, in its claims. It, it, it portends to make you more social, but it really doesn't make you more authentic. Yes. And so it's very courageous to be authentic and to not imbibe because you have to just rely on being yourself and yeah. it can and that's be very scary. exposing. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage, yeah. but it's, I think it's so worthwhile. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, as far as drinking, it's definitely, you know, numbs emotionally. Um, but then, you know, I realized creatively it was numbing my creative side too. Mm -hmm. so you can't have one without the other it's just it numbs across the board you can't select which parts of your body or brain it it numbs out so and to me being creative was an important part of my life and it wasn't yeah. worth it to numb it out so and, and it also made me realize why it makes you realize emotionally how to deal with stuff like when you're when you don't drink or yeah. like when I would have a craving to drink, it would be like, OK, why do you want to drink right now? And so, you know, when I would check in with myself, it was, you know, because I'm stressed or mm -hmm. overwhelmed or whatever. And it really makes you look at yourself pretty clearly um, mm -hmm. like there's no more filters. So. And that's hard it's to do. On Instagram. <laughs> yeah. There are filters there, but yeah, there's, it's really interesting that you bring that up, Kathy, because um, I had completely forgotten one of the like bedrocks of why I, I started the sobriety collective was to also showcase that you could be creative and not drink alcohol. Like 
you and especially not just not drinking but you could be like in recovery you could be sober and there's this trope that we see everywhere of like the addicted artist the alcoholic writer i mean it's it's not a stereotype because it doesn't exist i mean it's a stereotype because it has existed for so long the ernest hemingways and the f scott fitzgeralds and Mm-hmm. all the other people um but it's really kind of like subversive to be a creative and not imbibe in any kind of um drug or or i'm not here to, to tell people that they can't like smoke pot if they if, or if they need that or whatever but people think that okay well if you get sober if you quit using drugs like your creativity is gone because you needed that to like soak or you needed to soak in that to like fuel your creativity but it's totally the opposite and i don't know if you've heard of um the Creative Sober out of Seattle. Mm-mm. Her name is May. I highly recommend that you connect with her because she's a DJ. She is really into creativity and sobriety, and she has all these amazing people on her podcast. I actually have not been on it, <laughs> <laughs> but all about creatives who are sober. And right. um, there have been actually quite a few different communities out there that focus on the the intersection between creativity and sobriety because even though the stereotype wants you to believe that it is only possible one way, but it's totally like magical myth. Yeah. It's a total myth. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, as far as the the new sobriety movement is what I read in psychology today, this article had mentioned that it's leaving out an important part of the story, which is the words that really need to be destigmatized, which is alcoholic and alcoholism, and they feel like it's being left out of the conversation. Is that, what are your thoughts on that? If you had asked me that question like six years ago, I would have answered a lot differently than I'm going to answer now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see myself as an alcoholic. I never identified with that word either. And just like so many things, um, 12-step programs are very black and white. You're an alcoholic or you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it leaves out this gray area, which has actually become a a method of of working with people who have have, um, gray area drinking problems. Like you can have a, so there's, let me back up a little bit and and say that um, there's a term that came to be sort of in the the middle of my sobriety, which is called substance use disorder. Because what that is, is is it's a spectrum. And there's a substance use disorder spectrum, there's a sobriety spectrum. And you don't have to be an alcoholic or a full-blown drug addict to have a problem that is on this spectrum. And, you know, you guys who are listening, you don't see me, but I'm talking with my hands a lot and I'm like showing a (laughs) spectrum with like with my hands. Um, You can have a mild substance use disorder, which still causes problems in your life. You can have a moderate one, which is getting worse. Like you're starting to black out, you know, you're losing, you know, days at at work or whatever. Severe is like, you know, you might have DTs um, and withdrawal issues and um, you might go down the path of like homelessness and, and whatever, but, but it's a, it's a spectrum. So I think the, the term alcoholic leaves out so many other possibilities of what someone is doing or not doing, but I see what psychology today is, or rather the writer who posted on psychology today <laughs> is saying that's that, that this, this quote unquote trend is leaving out the people who are in recovery. 
And I think maybe this is <laughs> just my opinion, but I think that that is, again, very sort of like polarizing. Um, it's thinking of the sobriety spectrum in, in black and white too. Like if you can only be quote unquote sober if you're in recovery, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. You can be sober for a multitude of reasons, whether it's you abstain for medical, religious reasons, recovery, straight edge, whatever, that's total abstinence. But then there are also people who take a few breaks during the year. Um, and maybe that's not for trendiness, that's just for health and they need resets or they're training for marathons, like I said, and mm -hmm. I keep bringing up marathons. I will not do a marathon, but <laughs> I, was gonna say, are you I do, I do value, <laughs> I do value physical fitness. And um, so while I don't think there's like a cut and dry answer, I think that it's possible that some people in the more traditional recovery communities might think that the trendiness of sobriety, like this new sobriety is, is perhaps um, not poking fun, but just um, taking some of the weight out of the fact that there are people who, who really do need help and who have suffered. And my opinion is that alcoholism is real, drug addiction is real, substance use disorders are real, and treatment works. And if people need treatment, they should seek treatment. But not everyone who drinks has a problem. And not everyone who chooses to live a life of sobriety, whether it's for a month, a year, the rest of their lives, identifies as in recovery. And so I just think that there's more nuance to every conversation about this. Right. Yeah. No, I, I like that answer because I think it is important for people to understand that there is a spectrum and regardless of where you are on that spectrum, whether you're going to a 12 step or not, I think mm -hmm. having this, for lack of a better word, wellness trend is also an alternative or even like a supplement to what their recovery is. Yeah. I mean, because if it's, if it's they a can way, go to it's a like bar, a passport. Yeah. If they can go it's to like a bar a, that's all non-alcoholic, they can still have that social environment that right. they probably still crave, but without the, the alcohol. Or there are bars that I think, honestly, the future of hospitality is bars that serve everything, mm -hmm. um, that serve alcohol and serve non-alcoholic drinks. Um, and in a way that people can, can connect together and it doesn't matter what's in your cup. Um, do you think it's dangerous to talk about sobriety as a wellness trend? Well, that, I mean, that's very similar to the last question you asked yeah. me. Um, I think it's, it's dangerous if you negate the fact that there are people that have problems that need help and, and need treatment. And so I had treat, I had treatment when I was getting sober, I went to an out, um, intensive outpatient program and that really, really helped me and ultimately like saved me. And I couldn't afford either the time or the money to go to a traditional 30 day, um, inpatient rehab. Um, some people need medical detox. Some people need, uh, intensive outpatient or PHP, which is partial hospitalization. Like some people need treatment, but I don't think it's dangerous to talk about sobriety as a wellness trend because it's also, I was sort of alluding to that before, like it can be a passport into a new way of living. Like you try it on 
does this feel like, is my sleep better? Is my, are my relationships better? Like, do I like myself more when I'm not drinking? Do I physiologically feel better the next morning after having gone out or stayed in and had some non-alcoholic beverages instead of my traditional, you know, alcoholic So basically we all need to take responsibility. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, like if people need treatment, they, there needs to not be the stigma of seeking treatment because it's just crazy. Like you think about it, there's a stigma of being in active alcoholism or an active addiction. There's also a stigma of being in recovery. It's like, mm-hmm. when will the stigmas end? Um, there's a stigma of reaching out for help. Like, I think that there absolutely needs to be treatment for people who need it and want it. And some people don't want it, but they need it. Yeah. Um, but not everyone who's living a sober lifestyle it needs that. And I think that they're, there could stand to be more of a a spectrum of understanding when it comes to sobriety, like just like there's a more of a medically understood spectrum of understanding that's kind of redundant. Um, But when it comes to substance use disorders. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. That's all we're here for is your opinion. You can stay at a Holiday Inn Express (laughs) if anyone understands that joke. Uh, But um. You know, I, I see what I see. I know what I know from my experience. And and the really cool thing about getting older, there are very few cool things, but <laughs> yeah. one of them is that like I can witness growth in myself. Like I my ideas have morphed and changed and grown over the, over the years. And um, like I said, if you had asked me that question five six years ago, you would have gotten a lot different of an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't have been aligned with 12 steps either, but it would just have been more, maybe more black and white. Like, you know, someone who didn't go through what I went through wouldn't understand why it is that I am where I am now, but that's not true. And people can empathize and sympathize even if they haven't been where you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think there's just a lot more nuance in everything in life and especially in, in what we're talking about right now. So what advice would you give someone who was thinking about joining the sobriety movement? Well, first of all, it doesn't have to be so like, like I need to join the movement. Um, (laughs) Although that's ironically the button that I have on my, um, the sobriety collective website, like to get inside the website, it says join the movement. movement. (laughs) It can just, it can, it can be really a lot more casual, but I think, you know, pulling from, one of my heroines, Ruby Warrington, the author of Sober Curious, it's just to sort of be an observer in your own life. Like, just see how you feel. Um, Try some of these amazing zero-proof beverages. I mean, there's, as you know, Kathy, like there's something now, almost almost something for everybody. Like if you are into wines, spirits, um, craft sodas, beers, like CBD beverages, which I have a very different opinion on now than I did before. And my opinion is that I like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's, there's really something for everyone. And, and some of them mimic the, the taste of alcohol and some of them are trying to do something entirely different. But at the end of the day, it's like you, you have so many more options now for drinking non-alcoholic and you can just see how you feel like even just take a week off of alcohol and don't look at it as what you're missing out on, but look at it as what you're gaining. And I think that that's probably the best advice for someone to, to just try things out without feeling like they have to wait for it to end. Yeah. And like you said, if it's not something that they're ready for, then they're not ready for it. 
right you know they can make and you know at the same at the same time it's like then ask yourself well why aren't you ready for this i'm not saying everyone in the world needs to go sober um you know i have uh, close friends and family that that drink alcohol but they drink so rarely now that mm-hmm. it just they could take it or leave it but it's if it's like wow i really can't give up alcohol okay now we're not judging you but why like let's talk just like you had you had alluded to before like what is it about this that i need right now and can i can i do something either drinking a non-alcoholic beer going for a walk um you know getting a massage or whatever like can i do something to make myself feel better that is not related to changing how i feel using a substance right but Again, it's personal choice, and I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. I just want to tell them that they can have a totally fabulous, amazing, sexy lifestyle, not drinking alcohol. It's it's cool now, and I'm yeah. I'm I'm okay with the trend. You know, it's yeah. okay. Like if it gets people into the lifestyle and gets them liking it more, like that's that's how we're gonna have more um or say in hospitality and like just imagine going to an airport a hotel, a bar or whatever, like, and there are always going to be non-alcoholic options that aren't boring, that aren't for kids. Right. And down with the word mocktail. No more gonna, using it. I was going to bring up mocktail. No more <laughs> using it. I don't use it. I haven't in years. <laughs> Out with the mocktail, mocktail in with the new sobriety. <laughs> yeah. Like it just screams to me, like it's a kitty table drink and it's the Shirley not real. Temple, right? Well, it's like, it's also seeing what it is in 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 the old days which is like a couple of years ago um <laughs> the word mocktail means i mean it's mock like you're mocking a cocktail like right. well if you're thinking literally what a cocktail is like that's a different story but um <laughs> using using just words but i don't know it's just like it never it never sat well with me and i just even though it's more of a mouthful, I would rather say like spirit-free, zero-proof, non-alcoholic. I don't mind a few extra syllables if it also means like taking some of the stigma away from that word also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Now you know. Now you know. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the future hold for zero-proof nation and booze-free in D.C.? You going to come booze-free in San Francisco? Well, you know, it's interesting. There are a lot of there are a lot of pockets that are popping up of um, online and IRL communities all around the country that are focused on on all of this. And maybe there won't be like booze free in San Francisco, booze free in Miami. Although that was one of my visions to have this like a master website tourist sort of attraction where you have every single city um in the, in the country but that's like really impossible to do with just one person <laughs> um yeah, yeah. my goal is to on a hyper local focus because i'm in the dc area right now is to expand people's understanding of what it means to be booze free in dc whether that is for like a weekend or for longer and highlight more of the restaurants and bars that are doing cool things more of the, the beverage owners that are cropping up in our area and showcase like booze free date ideas and you know what it's like to live a a lifestyle in the Washington DC area that is zero proof. And as for zero proof nation, I um, have lots of ideas and it's just, 
figuring out what the heck to do with all of them. But one of the things I'm really excited about right now, I want to turn it into a like a real life road trip um, one day, um, maybe probably 2022. But I've been doing this virtual road trip across the country, visiting different non-alcoholic beverage shops and non-alcoholic booze-free bars and, and things like that. Um, and there are so many now that I've had to break up my series into different blog posts, like focusing on the East Coast, focusing mm -hmm. on the West Coast, focusing on the middle, because um, there are things happening in the middle too. That's good, that's good. Um, yeah, and two years ago, the map would have been like two dots. And now it's like, there's a, there's so many different, there's just so many different places. And it's a really cool time to explore this new lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to, if they're thinking about trying it on, granted, if, if someone needs treatment, seek treatment. But if someone has more of a luxury, like physiologically and psychologically that they're not dependent on alcohol and they just want to, hmm, let's just see what, what is it like to be booze free for a week or a month or whatever in my town? Like there's just so much more to do now, so much more to drink. And I think it's a cool challenge for people yeah. and I would highly recommend it. Well, if you need an ambassador out here in the Bay area, let me know. <laughs> totally. Well, I'm, I'm going to send you, like I said, before we started recording, but putting it on the air, go to ocean beach cafe Highly recommend that. Yeah. And then talking about creativity and sobriety, one of my dear friends, Adriana Marchione, is the director of a movie called The Creative High hmm. and all about artists in recovery, um, like musical artists, drama, um, fine art. It's it's a fantastic documentary. And so um, awesome. there's just there's a yeah. lot of cool things going on. So where can people find you? On Instagram, you can find me at We Are Sober, at Booze Free in DC, and at Zero Proof Nation. And from those, I have all the links and the link trees, and you can find different resources and other things to read and a plethora of things. Plethora of things. But Instagram is a great starting point. And if people are like, oh gosh, like, where do I even begin with non-alcoholic beverages? Well, then I would recommend you go to zeroproofnation.com and start with my and lists and lists. beverage yes. directory because yeah. I've got a lot there. And believe it or not, that's only just scratching the surface. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for being on the show and uh, sharing your story. I greatly Thank appreciate you for it. having me and letting me talk <laughs> a lot. <laughs> of course, anytime. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash womenwhosarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani.